welcome back to another episode of Life Uncut. I am Laura and I'm here by myself today. Brit is not here and it is really strange sitting behind this microphone without her. But there is a very, very important and special reason why I'm here today. Now, you may have noticed that we've been doing a little walk down memory lane, giving you some bonus content whilst we're away on this break. And today's episode, we're revisiting a really important episode, which we did in January with India Oxenberg. Now, India Oxenberg is an incredible, powerful, empowered survivor of a sex cult in the United States called Nexium. Now, I know a lot of you are going to know this episode because it was honestly one of our most downloaded episodes ever. The reason why we are bringing you this episode is because there have been more developments in the case with the Nexium cult, in particular with Alison Mack. Now, Alison Mack was an actress in Smallville. She was also the master in a secret society called DOS, which was a part of the Nexium cult. And this is where some of the most cruel crimes were committed. Now, this comes with a little bit of a trigger warning. We're going to do this episode in two parts. So this is me interviewing India on the development since January and just catching up with what her life looks like now that Alison Mack has been sentenced. And we are going to drop part two of this episode, which is going back and revisiting the first interview we did with India for anybody who hasn't listened to it. So on the 2nd of July at the Brooklyn Courthouse in the United States, Alison Mack has been sentenced to three years and three years of probation. Plus, she's also been fined for 1,000 hours of community service. She put out a statement and said, from the deepest parts of my heart and soul, I am sorry. Now, the thing that is so interesting about this part of the story and India's story is that Alison was the person who inflicted so many of these harsh punishments and crimes upon India. India was kept underweight. She wasn't allowed to eat. She was on a calorie-restricted diet. She was sexually assaulted. She was raped, treated as though she was subordinate in every way. India was also branded with a cauterizing pen with Keith Raniere's initials, and she was not aware of what she was being branded with. So at the time, India actually thought she was being branded with a symbol of earth, air, and water, something to symbolize this secret society of DOS. But it later was revealed that she was actually branded with a symbol or a logo that had been designed with Keith Raniere's initials, something that she will live with for the rest of her life. So with everything that has happened in the past six months, we just wanted to touch base with India again because we know how invested some of you have been in this story. Now, if you haven't seen India Oxenberg's documentary or docuseries on Stan, it is called Seduced. We absolutely recommend that you go and watch it. This is something that is incredibly powerful. And India does speak a little bit about coercive control in this chat. She does speak a little bit about some of the things that happened to her. So I'm going to put a trigger warning here. She talks about the closure and how she's going to find that and how she's come to some resolve with what has happened to her. Let's get into the chat with India. India Oxenberg, we had the absolute pleasure of interviewing you in January this year and there has been so much that's happened in the development of your case and when we last left you, Alison Mack, who was a huge contributing factor in this, had not been sentenced and convicted yet and since then the court proceedings have all happened and I guess we wanted to just check in with you because so many of our listeners were so invested in your story. Firstly, before we do get into that, I just want to ask... How are you? So, I I mean, honestly, like, if you would have asked me that question yesterday, I would have said no. Like, I probably would have canceled the podcast because I was just not in a good place. And I, I do feel much better today, but it's been an evolution. And this whole month has been 
very revealing for me. I think there was a lot of things about my experiences with Allison specifically that I just didn't want to think about or I didn't want to revisit. So I just pretended like they didn't happen. And then this month has really brought them up again, not only the victim impact statement, but also her sentencing. And then additionally, speaking to press about it and kind of putting myself out there again, definitely brings up a whole wave of emotions, whether it was like, nightmares or sweating in my bed and waking up totally drenched and I was like wow fuck like what is happening and I just think that I had a whole layer that I hadn't gone into and this month really provoked that but not necessarily in a bad way just incredibly uncomfortable (laughs) but I guess also maybe it's a part of and I know that this is something that happens with grief you experience these high intense emotions and have one day where it's one step in front of another and then you'll have one day where you might feel relatively fine and you're like oh maybe it's getting better and then it gets worse again Mm -hmm. and you're kind of thrown back into that oh I had so many tears this month and just like exactly what you said just immense grief like I didn't expect that and I, I thought that this would kind of give me a sense of closure and that that would feel good, but it doesn't really work like that. I'm seeing because many people had called me and they're like, oh my God, don't you feel like good now that, you know, Keith has been sentenced and Allison has been sentenced. And I was like, good is not really the right word. (laughs) I think it's more like affirmed that what I knew and what, you know, my mother knew and what a lot of other people knew was right. And that these people are in jail. I mean, like, these are crimes. And and sometimes I think it's so often that survivors will question their own sanity, they'll question their own experience, because you're so used to being gaslit, and you're so used to discrediting your feelings about your experience of your life that you do it to yourself. And so I've had to kind of unlearn that, and I'm still unlearning that. And I know for a lot of people, if you have just jumped on the front end of this podcast episode and you haven't listened to the full episode that we did do with India, we're going to drop that into the rest of this. So you'll be able to listen and actually fully unpack. So this might be a little bit back to front with you. But India, can you talk me through, since we spoke to you in January, what has happened, especially with Alison Mack? What has the last six months been like for you? I mean, there's been so many changes. Not only did we continue with lockdown, (laughs) which was unique. I was able to do a lot of press and really promote Seduced and my book. And I was also able to take some time for myself. I did a lot of cross-country travel, which was really uh, interesting (laughs) and also kind of fun and, and challenging. I moved around. I now am settled into a new place that I really feel safe where I am. And I think I'm just kind of like getting back into my own routine and learning how to set boundaries for myself, how to move forward with my own work. And I have the amazing opportunity to be working with stars now as a producer for them. And I get to go out and look for more stories like mine to be able to provide a platform and then really take somebody by the hand through this process which I didn't necessarily have. And I feel much more equipped now. So I'm really honored to have that position. India, tell us what has happened with this court process with Alison Mack since January. What has been the sequence of events? And in sentencing, what has been the most recent sort of developments? So when we spoke in January, Keith had already been sentenced, right? He had. Yeah. And can you reiterate for everyone what that sentencing was for Keith Raniere? 
Oh, yes, I can. I feel very, very proud of that. <laughs> I was only one part of making sure that he got 120 years in prison, but I feel very proud of that part. And it was one of the most challenging moments of my life, just standing in front of him and, and really just knowing that this was entirely for me in order to have my own closure because I was talking to a sociopath who really doesn't have the ability to have empathy. And I was. My opportunity to just be brave and just say whatever I needed to say and to call out all the bullshit that I had been, you know, indoctrinated to believe in that moment and hope and know that he will never get out of prison. And that was really validating. And that gave me a lot of security. But like you just said, Allison Mack had not been sentenced at that point and she was still under house arrest. And I had a lot of really confusing feelings about. What I thought would be an appropriate punishment because I also considered her very much a victim of Keith Raniere. I know now that she, in some ways, has been able to see the truth about who Keith really is and she has renounced him if what she's saying is genuine. And I received a, an apology letter from her that I ended up reading with my mom, and I was sad. I was really sad because I, I, it just made me so angry with Keith, like that he. Has no regard for anybody's life, and that this woman is now going to prison for three years in September. And that's a big deal. That's not a little thing. Like, people might say, oh, she should have gotten a longer sentence. Well, you know, the judge decided, and I really respect the judge, and that was his sentencing, and that's what it is. Do I feel like that gave me, you know, all the closure in the world to move forward? No, not necessarily. That's sort of wishful. But I think that. It definitely affirmed that what I went through was no joke. And that was hard to reflect upon. And I think that's kind of what took me into a little bit of a spin this month was just going, holy shit, yeah, that was real. And you think that you have sort of mental clarity about some of these things. And then when your emotions come into play, it's like a whole other thing that you need to deal with. And you just can't jump from numb to normal. It doesn't work like that. And you have to go through feeling again. I saw some of the social media backlash to that as well. And even when we shared something on our social media, which was around Alison Mack's conviction, and everyone's reaction was like, how was it only three years? And I know that originally when we had spoken, I think the minimum was 14 years that had been thrown around as being what there was an expectation that she would be sentenced to. Yeah. Do you know why there was that leniency or why that decision was made for it to be only three years? I can speculate and just kind of from what I saw from the judge's memorandum and how he viewed Allison and her crimes, really a lot of it I think had to do with the fact that she tried and is trying to repair her empathy and trying to come back to her humanity. And that says a lot about a human being because Keith didn't do that at all. I mean, at the end of all of us sharing our victim impact statements, he called us all liars. So that's clearly. Someone who isn't a safe person to have in society. I consider Claire Bronfman sort of the same because she has not been able to renounce him, which means she's still really a prisoner of his, in my opinion. Whereas Allison has taken a step to free herself from that and she has gone through hell, I'm sure. And, and so have I, and so have the, her victims, and they still suffer. And so it doesn't really make everything right because you can't take. Away the past, but it does give you a sense of justice. 
And I think one of the things as well, when it comes to sentencing, people want revenge or they want to feel like what they have experienced has been equated in a punishment in prison, which sometimes there is nothing that can equate to what you have experienced. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess for some people, sentencing is supposed to be like, this is punishment, but it's also with the opportunity for rehabilitation. That's, you know, a big part of what prison system is around. Yes, that's what it's supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not to be like, it's only supposed to be that if people are deemed to be able to be rehabilitated. Exactly. That's why Keith Ranieri is in the sex offender unit in Tucson with his people, because that's who idolize him. And that's where he belongs. Alison Mack, not necessarily, but she is going to prison. So clearly she has a lot of things that she needs to still work on. The benefit that she has is that she's been able to see the truth, which gives her the opportunity to use the resources available to her. I did read that you had stood up and did your victim impact statement at Keith Raniere, but you chose not to have it read at Alison Mack and you had a friend read your victim impact statement for you. Mm -hmm. What was your reasoning for not wanting to face Alison? So I submitted my victim impact statement to the FBI and they read them and then also the judge reads them but in her case not everybody was read at her sentencing only people that were there in person i chose not to go for a number of reasons one it costs me (laughs) and i wasn't sure that that's how i wanted to be like spending my money at this point honestly like it's not like anyone's paying for me to show up and so i was like is this really how i want to spend my time right now like wouldn't i rather go on a beautiful relaxing trip with my fiance and like do something that's rejuvenating to me whatever my cats they're expensive like (laughs) you know like that was one factor but really also it had to do with my own mental health and i was like that might not be right for me right now that might not be the type of closure that i need and my statement in itself was so challenging for me to write and to revisit that I didn't think I needed to subjugate myself to that again. And also, I didn't know if she deserved that attention because I think one of the things that she probably wanted was to see me and probably, you know, maybe apologize even if it was with a look. And I don't really need that from her. I don't really need her in my life. I pray for her from afar and that's like about it because Like I said, I do consider her a victim, but also a perpetrator. So it's complicated. How do you get closure from this? How do you move on now that this is essentially, it has come to an end when it comes to the law proceedings? Well, there's a couple more people to be sentenced in the whole Nexium saga that haven't been yet. So there's Nancy Salzman, Kathy Russell, and Lauren Salzman. And that will happen probably this summer and early fall. Allison was really my main abuser, as was Keith, but she was more like my day-to-day interface. So the closure for me is really an inside job because it's not anything that she could do for me. And I recognize that and sometimes that feels really frustrating and kind of discouraging because you're like, ugh, I want this to be done. I don't want to have to think about this anymore. You're like screaming at the top of your lungs like, fuck Allison, fuck Keith, or like, what you know, on those bad days, like, why did you ruin my life? Why can't I just be a happy, normal girl? Like, (laughs) you know, and there's, you've reached like levels of desperation where you just feel really discouraged. And I think that's the point that I actually kind of needed to get to so that I could feel how sad I was about it all. And that really opened up a lot for me to explore about 
what I needed for myself to heal. It's an inside job and it's something that I need to do for myself and that I need to prioritize my own healing, whether that's with therapy. It's a decision that I need to make to prioritize myself. And sometimes I don't want to. India, thank you so much for coming and sharing this. I know that we we had such a huge conversation with you in January around everything that you have experienced. And for anybody who hasn't seen the documentary yet, Seduce, which is on Stan, it is honestly like, can't describe to you how harrowing it is, but also it's just such a beautiful watch and to see you be so vulnerable and to share your story. It's been a pleasure to be able to be a part and to share this with our listeners as well. But on top of that, I'm so friggin' happy for you that you're now able to not just leverage your experience, but to be able to live through your experience and help other people who have gone through this. I think one of the biggest things that I said when we did the first interview was that it really shook me to my core how I think a lot of people have this perception that to get stuck into a cult or get sucked into this sort of like manipulation, this coercive control, which we've talked about so many times on this podcast, it has to happen to a very specific type of person. However, I really just think it can happen to anyone. And every time I speak to you, I'm like, fuck, she's a cool chick. And I just think, how did this happen to you? And it makes me really reassess and really rethink like, it's not the victim who it happens. Like, of course, it's the victim who it happens to, but it's not the victim's fault that this is why it happens. The people who go out of their way to do this are intentional and manipulative in everything they do. And so I know that there are people who listen to this who have experienced coercive control, maybe on a smaller scale, mm-hmm. but you almost step back and you think, how was I so stupid? Why didn't I see this for what it was? And sometimes it's impossible to do so. It's true. And I, I thank you for saying that because predators really do know who to target. They know who's vulnerable. They know who doesn't have security around them. They know who to look for. And so, yeah, it doesn't actually say anything about you or that you're you know, particularly broken. It just means that there are people that prey on other people's vulnerabilities, especially in times of transition. And that's why I feel really like compelled to talk about this to a younger generation in maybe a more mainstream digestible way because I want them to be aware so that they can protect themselves and not live in fear and like you know looking over your shoulder all the time like some of us do but also just be conscious of the fact that those things do exist and so I hope that this becomes a more normal conversation it's not something that people feel as shameful to talk about. India, thank you so much for coming back on Life on Cut. We love you here and we want you to keep on spreading like your amazing light in the world and we'll keep on being your cheerleaders from the other side of the pond. Thank you. I love it. I cannot wait until we can actually meet in human form. I hate all these restrictions. (laughs) It's going to happen eventually. Actually, like this morning, guys, to record this, I had to kick like Matt and the kids out of the house. I'm like hiding in the lounge room at 6 a.m. here. But we we had like the tyrannies of technology, but we did it and we made it and we're getting this to use. Yes, we did. Thank you so much. So thank you so much, India. And thank you. Good luck with your wedding. (laughs) Good luck with your boxing and everything else that you have to look forward to in your life at the moment. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you so guys if you have listened to this episode but you haven't yet listened to the full episode we did in january with india oxenberg then we are going to drop that into the podcast library again and it's going to be part two for this interview so this being part one 
The interview that we did in January as a walk down memory lane will be part two. And that is where India shares the full, complete and very detailed story about what she experienced in the Nexium cult, about Keith Raniere's involvement, about how he manipulated these women, about the abuse that went on. And also this incredible story of her breaking free from the cult, how she was able to convict Keith Raniere and also how she's finding closure now. So that'll be in your libraries now if you want to listen to part two of this very special story. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Life Uncut. I'm enjoying these bonus episodes, even if we're supposed to be taking a holiday. But guys, you know the drill. If you have loved this episode and you've loved any of the episodes from Life Uncut, please subscribe to the podcast, go and give us a review and also tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your friends, tell your sister and your brother and your mother and whoever else there is in your life and share the love because we love love. That is so weird doing it on my own.